The Limitless Journey podcast is a project that is dedicated to sharing the stories of young people who are challenging the status quo and positively impacting their communities with the sole purpose of motivating others to take action and to live their best lives. My name is Success Yule Areveso. And in today's episode, I had an amazing conversation with Chris Wanda, a storyteller and a documentary photographer. He shared how he ventured into photography from painting. Yes, he was a painter, and I'm sure you are shocked as well too. He also shared how he got his first camera, and he gave us insights on how he's changing the narrative through photography. He's currently working on his project called Bayesa, She is Beautiful. And you will definitely feel and hear the passion in his voice when he's talking about his project. It is so inspiring. In this episode, I hope you learn, think, and be inspired. Thank you so much, Wanda, for joining me on this podcast episode today. It's such a great privilege to have you here with me. So how are you doing? How Thank you for having me been so far oh you're welcome thank you how are you doing my week has been fine i'm good i'm excellent yeah um (laughs) today was great today was great um network i really had network issues today so it really affected me but still it was a great day because i'm here with you now talking and i know it's going to be an exciting episode and i can't wait I can't wait. So today has been great and I'm happy for the way today is actually ending. So wow. yeah, I'm so happy. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think I share the same sentiment with you. I think overall I had a great deal as well. My, as well. Um, aside from the fact that I missed an important appointment this morning, uh, which we'll try to set that. But aside from that, I had a great day too. And I'm super excited to be doing this with you. Thank you so much. I I knew that I needed to interview you for this podcast. And uh, we, we both attended Unibend. So um, seeing that you've grown to this point yeah. and you're working on your amazing project is really, really impressive. And I really want to know what it was like for okay. you growing up um, let us know a little bit more about your background and, you know, amazing things about your um, family that you want to really share so that we can get to know a little bit more about you. Okay. So, yeah, I grew up in a family of five. So my dad was a pastor. He was a missionary. And, we, and I've grown up around the whole Nigeria and even outside because we, ha- we had to be traveling from one state to another state. So we could spend one year somewhere, spend two years in another state. I went to the north, the south, the east, and, and the west, and even the middle belt, you know, throughout my dad's missionary years. And my sister was even giving birth in Liberia. So my upbringing was actually actually interesting. I don't have any, like, childhood friend that I've stayed there for 20 years, but our friends are scattered around the whole Nigeria. So kind of like I've tasted cultures, I've met different people, I've had different languages. Growing up was like a mixture of, <laughs> you know, that kind of like, that kind of journey of like you're always traveling, always moving from a school to another school, wow. from a location to another location. So it, it was, it was very hectic and interesting at the same time because I got to meet a lot of people and have different wow. experiences in the north, the south, east, and west, like different experiences. So yeah, my upbringing was interesting. Yeah, amazing. Very interesting. I really, I really understand that point. That I'm, the fact that you said you grew up not having a particular 
um, friend. The reason would, would be because of the fact that you are not always in one particular location. But it's actually not a bad thing, though. Those experiences, you yeah. know, places that you must have visited, must have shaped the kind of person that you are now. And you won't even be surprised that you may have some connecting yeah. dots with what you're currently doing, which is actually photography and telling stories of um, the Nigerian culture, Niger Delta culture as well, too. So um, I want to know, you know, um, I want to know if you have always considered yourself as a photographer. Was it that while growing up, you admired photography profession and you were just like, I need to do this thing, or it happened at the spur of the moment? When did you realize that this was it? Man, I never knew I was going to be a photographer. Like, if you had asked me five, ten years ago, I would tell you, man, at all, I'm not going to be a photographer. I never, I never, I never anticipated it. It happened in 2018, and then I was in university already. I was doing painting. I was a painter from my secondary school. as from high school. I was a painter. And I never knew that I would ever stop painting because I was so addicted to it. You mm. know, I was so passionate about it. And, you know, every single day, I was even missing classes doing that. Like, so I never expected to be a photographer, you know. So I didn't expect it at all. It just, it happened. And there's a story to that. Probably like I can share that story into the podcast, you know. But I never expected to be a photographer at all. I thought I'd be, I'll be an artist for life as a painter. Yeah. When did you when did you realize that you need you needed to make this change? Okay, it was in 2018, and it's kind of funny how I realized that photography was a thing for me because it happened that uh, each time I was in fellowship, each time I was in class, and I was, and the people were taking pictures with their phone. Once I hold the phone and I take a picture, everybody wants me to suddenly just take the picture because it just looked different from everybody else's own. Mm -hmm. It was always sharp, it was always fine, it was always like and good. everything was just different so each time i come into class people were already booking me guy you take my picture take my phone take my picture you understand yes. and it was always funny that even in the fellowship then if they're doing anything they'll be like wonder did you come with your phone can you take us a picture or take this phone take us a picture I'm like somebody else is there give him the phone they're like no you you must take it so then from there from there i began i began to have a detaste and a hatred for seeing bad pictures in quotes you know, when as a photographer, I can, I can I can state what a bad picture is based on lighting, based on composition, based on some certain terms in photography. I can actually state what a bad picture is in quotes. You know, so I said I I began to hate seeing all those things. I either see pictures that the lighting was not good, pictures that they were not telling a story, pictures that were you know they were just flat and it was dark. So from there, that hatred just kept continuing. It's like it was like a passionate hatred for wow. seeing those kind of pictures. So as it kept developing and developing in me, I was still painting, but I began to realize that why are they taking pictures like this from this angle? Why is the picture always dark? Can't you just do something extra to make it fine? That was what was going on in my mind. So then it got to a point where it was just too much for me. I, said, I called my mom and told her, mom, see, like I'm having these hatred for seeing bad pictures. I think I'm becoming very passionate about photography. I think this is something I would like to do. So she's like, okay, my mom has always been supportive, you know, so she's like, okay, that's great okay what do you want to do now i'm like okay i'll check for a camera that i think um i would like to buy i went on i started researching then i called her again i told her okay see the amount oh, and she was like we're going to save towards it so all my paintings i was saving the money to start photography every single painting wow. i was doing the money was going there i was hungry sometimes i was hungry for, for some time we saved for about three to four months with my mom together and wow. then on the final on one particular day i was like that on that day i said god please 
this thing, camera cannot pass this particular time. If you pass this particular time, I'm not going to do it again. Mm. <laughs> so then I was walking from class one day in school, and then my spirit just told me, call your dad. We're seven minutes without telling him, call your dad. So I called him and said, that this was going on. We're talking for a while. And then that, I think that one of the longest comments my dad would have had. <laughs> so I called him and said, that's what is going on. I'm saving for this camera. And then he was like, okay, that how much is it? I told, I told him the amount, that this amount that's remaining, one sixty k. That um, it was like, okay, I send the camera to him. I sent the specs and everything to him. I let him check it out. Before I walked from where I was, was there, I got an alert on my phone. And that was one sixty k. I was like, yeah. like, how? So I called my dad and I told him that I just got an alert. When you want to send it, I was like, yes. I said, man, thank you. He, he told me that he was borrowing me the money because he knows that I'm a, I'm a businessman. I will get, I will, I will pay him back. <laughs> so I laughed. I thank, really I thank nice. him for giving me the money. <laughs> so, you know, that was how I added the money to what I had saved up, about 200 and something or so. And then I dived into go and buy my first camera. And my photography started from there. I did not look back since that time. Oh, wow. That was the journey for me. <laughs> it's so amazing that you have yeah. like um supportive parents because I can remember when you actually um, talked about um people snapping bad pictures. I can actually relate to that because I remember the time that you took us pictures for Oluchi's 18th birthday. Oluchi is my friend, so for those of us, just to give us a context of the conversation. So one that was the one that we called for the photo shoot, and this was like about um for four years ago in 2018, late 2018. So we called Wanda and they were like, oh Wanda, would you like to take us pictures for um, Oluchi's um, shoot? He agreed. And those pictures really spoke a lot to me at the time because I really, really loved them. And, you know, it depicted a whole lot of um, perspectives to me then. And I'm so amazed at the amount of ways that you've grown since that time. And if you can remember correctly, we actually dragging you to take us pictures just that day. That day. So I actually wonder, what are you take me? You take me after you've taken um all the shoots for for that day, right? So you come and take me. So the fact that your dad really supported you in this journey and seeing how far you've come, I'm really, really, I'm really impressed. So I want to know, did you actually give him the one hundred and sixty thousand thereabouts? My dear, my dad, my my dad, my dad is late now. He passed on in 2019, January. Oh so wow! Sometimes when I'm doing this work, I'm like, I'm, I I I hope I owe him something bigger. I'm like, I need to do this, and as I say, I'm always going out to help people. That's one of the reasons why I'm very, very passionate about that. I'm like, my dad supported me because when I was in my painting in school, then in, in my high school, it wasn't really he was not even aware. He was not supporting like then. He wasn't aware. But okay. this camera was one of the biggest support he had given me when it relates to my um, talent or my gift. Like, that was, like, the first or second time he had ever done that to me, to support oh, wow. my gift. So it meant, it, was, it, it meant so much to me at that time, you know, and I was planning to actually pay him back. But I was not, like, planning, like, strategizing to pay him back, oh. <laughs> because I know <laughs> that when he said he brought me money, I eh? as a man, it just his way of saying that he's giving me the money. Yeah. Yes, and, but at the same, at the same time, like, like, I'm so grateful to him. Like, I'm grateful to him for that support because that was something major for me. I did not expect it at all. So it was a great support for me. So I didn't I... pay him back. <laughs> but I'm paying him back with living a good life by impacting people and by using my own gift that he supported me at the beginning to actually help people now. That's what I'm doing to pay him back and that his name continues to live on because most people call me Chris. 
But my name is Wanda, and I'm glad that you are calling me Wanda in this podcast because <laughs> a lot of people outside call me Chris. So that 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 name Chris is my dad's name. Oh, wow. So each time they call me Chris, sometimes I don't want to change them from I don't want to correct them to call me Wanda because it just reminds me about my dad, and it just makes me feel like his name keeps living on through me. Oh, so wow. that's one reason why I don't even stop some people from calling me his name Chris. I just leave them to call me Chris. But I still like to be called Wanda. You understand? But <laughs> if people call me Chris, I still take it. <laughs> you understand? So that one, those are some of my ways of actually like repaying him and saying that thank you. I also telling the world how much he supported me. So those are ways of uh, appreciating him and keeping his name alive. You understand? Oh wow, this is really this is really touching and powerful. And God bless your dad. And I pray that his soul continues continues to rest in perfect peace. And I've been a witness to how far you've impacted your world and how you continue to let others know that they can do it, you know, whatever that you are doing, just put your mind to it from your project. I think there was one I actually saw on Facebook that really caught me. I think, I don't know whether it was your dad's remembrance or whether it was one of all these public holiday then, you went for a particular outreach and then there was this guy that you were videoing or so that documentary of that particular outreach really caught my attention so can you really like i don't know if you remember the video i'm actually trying to talk about because there was a particular um um remembrance or outreach that you did in honor of your dad and i saw it on facebook i think yeah. last last year so can you like share a little bit more about that okay it was on his birthday so can you like share a little yeah. bit more about that yeah it was his birthday and my dad was known as one that used to give he was a giver he used to help people he was this very nice and kind man he had a very good heart forgiving loving so on his birthday, I, I did a remembrance for him by going out to a, a, a place where people are, they don't have houses. So they went to that building, an incompleted building, and people mm. were living there. So I've gone there a few times to preach, to talk to the people, you know, just to um, talk about Christ to them. Then during that period of time, my dad's birthday, I was like, wow, that I could do something bigger here. Yeah, these children, I'm not seeing them eating anything fancy or having like Christmas, like, enjoyment so what i did was that we organized a christmas for them because my dad's birthday was on 28th so we went there to do christmas and celebration of my dad's birthday at the same time on his birthday which was the 28th we combined it together so giving them like a christmas experience we brought speaker we brought snacks we brought food you know i got the idea a day before or two days before his birthday but on his birthday we had had a lot of things set already because mainly i put it out there i just got some support from some people it was amazing. And I already put in like 15 to 20k of my own money there as a foundation money to start. And then everybody started bringing 2k a year, 1.5. So the money got, I think, around 30 something to 40k or so. Then we went there and we bought things. We just brought snacks, brought food, brought different things. People donated clothes. Like wow. I, was so, I was overwhelmed by the support I was getting. People, I, 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 I told people in the day before, and that day, that money, people were coming with clothes, people were coming with things. And they came and supported me. Teenagers, not just, you know, I told my pastor, he gave us the church bus. The church yeah. bus took all of us there. The mic, with speaker, with everything. The people danced, the children. I still have those videos. You just reminded me about that experience, you know. It really touched me. We prayed for them. We showed them love. You know, they, were, they got new clothes. They got food. They got So it was an amazing experience. And it made me to actually, like, celebrate my dad for who he was. So, it was, so we're, we're paying a homage to him and just like showing that the life he lived and just 
being like an extension of who he was, you know, to help people so that he's still alive, whether he's on earth or not, he's still alive and his memory is still valuable. It's, you know, he's still with us. So we just did that to honor him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. I, I know the, the, the project really touched me. So I remember that I even commented on it on Facebook at the time you did that particular project. And I was really, really impressed because um, for the past um, two to three years, you've been working with us at Church on the Street. So just for context sake, so Wanda has been the official photographer for us at Church on the Street. And Church on the Street is an organization that I am currently, you know, I'm working with. So my friends and I, we started the organization in 2018, there about, and we're focused on reaching to people by providing meals and education for them. And Wanda has been with us, traveling with us to different places, especially with the team, places like Benue, Abuja, Nasawara, even on the recent project that we did, um, Worry. And it has been so amazing that you've been able to tell our story using your pictures, using your skills, and then also making more videos about it. And every time I actually look at your work, I always say this one that you are doing an amazing job. I'm always impressed. I'm like, oh my goodness. People always ask me, <laughs> who is the person that takes your pictures at church on the street? Because they are world-class pictures. And I'm so, so, so excited about any single one of your projects that you do for us at church on the street. So this is me saying thank you on this podcast. So church on the street fam that may be listening to this, I said thank you to our official photographer, you know, for doing all of yeah. all that. So I'm glad that your dad had a great influence in you starting out your journey as a photographer. So looking back um, at, you know, everything that you've done so far, what would you say has been your best, you know, memory of being a photographer and also transitioning to the fact that you're working on this amazing project called Bayesa, She's Beautiful. So I really want to know how all of these things has been for you. Okay, my best memory. I've had a lot of amazing memories, you know, but I think one of the most striking ones was uh, when I was creating the portrait of a particular girl in um, Benue State. So her name is Dofa. That Benue experience on this one was um, Dofa. Dofa, her name is Dofa. She's from Benue State. So her, I, I took her portrait. And, you know, each time I look at that portrait, what comes to my head is that Dofa's portrait is going to change her life. Dofa's portrait is going to change her life. So I, I'm going to, I plan to sell that picture and use the funds to go back and change Dofa's life, like basically from scratch. But wow. her story touched me. She has these beautiful eyes. She has these beautiful, amazing, love, lovely and attractive eyes. I want to look at that picture. You'll be drawn to who she is. It's like you're drawn to her soul. That's what is in that picture. So that picture struck me. You know, like I said, I've had an amazing, amazing moment as a photographer. But you see that particular moment where I created and I took that girl, that girl's picture, the fans' picture. Not till now, it's still it's still something that I want to go back to. It's something that I've never been as passionate as a picture as that one because I, I I want that picture to change our life, and I know that by God's grace, I'm going to do that. You know, we're going to go there, and we're going to basically help her and her family to start from scratch because she lost her dad. She lost her wow. dad through the Fulani uh, headsman clash, and she lost her dad. So we need to go back and do what we can to help her. So, you know, that was one moment that actually changed my life. Because as I was looking through that camera, as I was looking at this girl, it was like I was seeing deep into who she was. I was I was 
feeling the moment as in with that camera and and the picture is a proof of how I felt at that time when I was with her. So that's a great moment for me. Among the many others I have experienced as a photographer, <laughs> I just feel like sharing that particular one. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really nice. And to think that you've been able to, yes, I also saw like um some some work that you actually did recently and where you actually saw the picture and then you you also want to actually use it to help the woman's life, which is really, really nice. And now that we're even on, the, on, on this particular topic, I think that project would be this particular one that you're working on, which is the Biasal She's Beautiful project. And I remember I, it was because of that project that I became more interested in, you know, hearing more about your story. And I was like, I need to have one that on this particular project that I'm working on, which is my podcast. So I want to know more about the Biasashi's <laughs> Beautiful Project because it's really, really um, um, inspiring. And seeing that someone would just decide to wake up for morning and, you know, go into a particular state and decide to tell the story of, of that particular state. You know, what is your motivation behind that particular project? Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to tell the story of Biasa? You know, when did it occur to you that you needed to do this particular thing? Um, to answer this question, I need to just give a disclaimer first that this is a very, very passionate topic. So, guys, <laughs> listening, I may sound very passionate about this because this is what I'm dedicating the next five to ten years of my life to do. So, a minimum of five years, you know, to ten years of my life to do this particular project titled Bayelsa. She is beautiful. So, you know, when you think about Dubai, you may have not been to Dubai, but when you think about Dubai, there are some pictures that come to your head. You have an imagination of what it looks like. Yeah. When you think about the U.S., think about some countries, you have an imagination of what those countries look like. But when you think about the Niger Delta, what comes to your mind? What mm. comes to your mind? And I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and they tell me all they know about the Niger Delta is the militants, the oil spillage, the crime here and there. But that is all they see. You cannot blame them. When you keep seeing something about a place, that is what keeps coming to your mind as a narrative of that place and who those people are. So this is what they keep thinking about the Niger Delta, about the Biosans. Forgetting that Biosans and the Niger Delta were a people before oil, crude oil was ever discovered in their land in 1956 or so. They were a people before that time. They were a people, they had culture. They were something, you know, they were known for something before that time. What happened then when crude oil was discovered, you know? So these people, these people, they fought for years because when crude oil was discovered, these companies came in with the few leaders we have in authority. And what did they do? With the mining of the crude oil, they, they destroyed their waters, they destroyed their land, they destroyed the air. These people kept asking, like, you're killing our fishes, you're killing everything, you're giving us nothing in return. You know, at least develop our land, at least let there be electricity, at least let there be this, let there be that. These people mm -hmm. did not respond positively. Instead, they brought they, they brought um, the military to, you know, bully them and everything. And with that, what gave birth to the militants. These mm. militants, I don't want to talk too much about this particular topic of militants, but you've never heard of a militant. I guess you've never heard of a militant kidnapping the Niger Delta of Ibayasan. You've never heard of a militant entering to a village and killing people. They are not terrorists. They, what they attack is pipelines. What they attack is the companies, the oil companies that are mining the, water, the oil that is destroying their water. Like, I mean, Bayosan at the moment and i've seen that the climate condition here is different the water has been affected before fishes can be flying out now 
they'll stay for hours with nets and all those they catch all oh, their little fishes. Wow. What happened to the water? The water has been destroyed. A lot of the communities they cannot farm on the land anymore. They've been chased out of their communities because some companies came and took oil from the land. There were some rare species of fishes in Bayosa, about 21 or so. If you check Google, this is there. These are not things that I'm guessing. There were rare species of fishes in Bayosa, but they were all killed because of this process of the crude oil mining and everything. So it has affected the people. If they were benefiting from it, that would be great. But they're not benefiting from it. And the worst part of what is affecting them is not even just this thing I'm talking about. It is that their identity, their mm. identity, what they are known for is false. I don't know if you understand me. I'm yes. using somewhere now. The worst part of the worst effect of all these things that have been done to them over this more than four, four decades, over 40 years, is the effect is that their identity has been has been spoiled, their reputation. So, what are they known for? Like I said at the beginning, militancy, crime, oil spillage, all these negative things. What about the culture? What do you know about Bayesa culture? What do you know about Bayesa? What do you know about the people? You know, you don't know anything. And then because of these negative things you have seen, you say, I don't want to ever come to this place. I don't like these people. This is who they are. Because that is all you see on the net. That is all you see on the media. So those things are things that, you know, is what is happening right now. So the narrative has been spoiled. So what my project coming into? The Bayesa Shibifi project is coming in to show the world the beauty of Bayosa, the Niger Delta, the land, the people, and the culture. So what's wow. going in to show the true story of who the Niger Delta is? But the Niger Delta are not militants. It's not about oil spillage. The land is not about crime. No, these people are loving people, amazing people, beautiful people. They have rich culture. The things you have not seen, the way the story should have been told from the beginning before crude oil was discovered, is the story we want to tell now with the Biosa Shibifi project. I've met Biosans. I'm in Biosa at the moment. I've seen these people. I've communicated with them. I know how amazing they are. You can make a meet a Bayesan today and you're talking with them, you're shaking their hands, they are you're you are gisting. Like yeah. you're basically you're just gisting from nowhere. I'm telling you the truth. You know, but what is being shown on the media is so false. If I don't tell you all this, you will not know. If I don't tell you all this, you will not know. They don't have a good footprint on the internet. They don't have a good footprint there. If you want to check about the footprint of the Bayesan, all you're going to see is the always pleasure and manager delta militants. Check YouTube, that's what you're going to see. So what we're coming to do is we're coming to show you the beauty of the land. We're coming to show you that these people, there's more to these people than the good oil that is forcefully taken from their land. There's beauty in their culture. There's beauty in their heritage. These people are loving. We're coming to show you who the people are, who they truly are, not what you see on the media. That's what the project is coming for. It is a five to 10 years project I'm dedicating my life to. You know, when you discover what you are born, born to do, when people ask about it, sometimes it sounds like an obsession that you cannot really explain fully. Mm. And that's what this thing is to me. Because I can talk about it for one hour, two hours, three hours, I will not get tired. Because it is so delicate and extensive. It is a big project. Well, we started from little stories. We started from little stories that are relatable to the whole Niger Delta, like um, palm oil production. That was the first place we started with. We're still in that phase because we're planning to do a film. Well, we did the documentary, I think about three weeks ago. Yeah. And I uh, minted six pictures from that documentary um, on NFT and the NFT market space. So we, we listed, listed some of the pictures that we've sold one, many five. But now we are going in for the um, uh, complete, completion of the, sec of the first space, which is the palm oil production. So we started with a woman called uh, Mama Palm Oil, an elderly woman called Mama Palm Oil. She has been doing palm oil for years, and then we started a documentary from her. 
and it was amazing. Well, we were for three days in, 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 our, in our community here under the hot sun and the rain. It was very interesting, difficult, I tell you the truth, but interesting. We're there from the beginning of the palm oil process to the ending of it, and we documented the whole process. And this is part of our, the beginning of the whole project. And this started from somewhere that is relatable to Niger Delta and it's relatively not so expensive to start from because the project is going to be expensive. We're going to spend a lot of money traveling around the whole state. You know, we're planning travels to the southern Ijo, we're planning travels to, you know, Nimbi, Bra, some of those places in Bios that you've not heard of outside. We're going to wow. put their footprint on the internet. We're going to put their footprint out there so that you see who the people are. What you don't know about them, you begin to know about them from this project. You know, we are, we are, our project is centered around a girl called Tari. You know, the question I ask people is that, I, I, I ask them a question that Tari's mom, Tari's mom grew up with a stigma that her land is all about oil spillage, militancy, and crime. Should hmm. Tari be forced to grow up with that same stigma? Should no. she be forced to grow up with that same stigma because she's a Niger Dalton? Should she hmm. be forced to grow up with that same stigma simply because she's Bayosan? No, no, there's hope. She's never picked up a gun. She's never been involved in a crime, but she'll be called a criminal when she goes to another state in Nigeria. She'll be called a militant when she stepped out, stepped out of the country. Why? Because the media has printed her to be so. Is that right? Does she deserve it? For someone from a state that contributes 9% of the economy and 68-80% of the export value of the nation, does that person deserve to be treated in that way? No. Do you understand me? So that the project is big. And that's why I said I don't want to go deeper into talking about it because I can spend a long time talking about it. But this is a summary. I hope you have gotten something from the summary. You know, if you have more questions <laughs> for me, man, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can really tell how passionate you are. And the fact that, funny enough, why you were mentioning uh, when you go on the media, you know, the things you would see are negative news. I actually picked up my phone and I googled Bayosa and trust me, I saw one negative news. <laughs> I saw one negative news on it. And the fact that you are working hard to tell the stories. For me, I'm really passionate about telling the stories of young people that are impacting their world positively. Recently, because of this, anytime I go for an event, the most time, most times when I hear a speaker you know, giving a speech or trying to inspire other people. I realized that I'm always more drawn to the speaker's story, like how the speaker went from like zero to 100, you know, and from the speaker's story, I'm always picking, yeah. picking my lessons, like, oh, maybe for example, this particular person was at this point. Yeah. In so I'm always relating their story to where I am at that particular point in time. So I can totally relate with what you're trying to do as a storyteller, and also as a photographer, because what you're trying to do is literally very, very it's, it's so amazing. And the world, we are waiting to, you know, see how beautiful this project is going to turn, is going to turn into a, we are, we are just waiting to receive Biosa, she's beautiful. And, you know, try thinking positively yes. about Niger Delta. And also, I'm in Niger Delta girl as well. I'm from Delta State. So well, see, so see the fact that see, you are doing this. You. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you want to say something? In the, in the next in the next few years, in the next few years, right? People will want to come to Bayosa. Hmm. By the time I'm done with this project, by the time we are done, by the grace of God, people will want to come to Niger Delta. From outside the country. 
not just from Nigeria this time. They'll be flying in to come to the Niger Delta. That was they'll fly into Lagos, they'll come to the Niger Delta. So we're having a great population of <laughs> um, foreigners in Bayosa in the mm. next, next week. So these are some things I just want to say out because the project is, uh, when you say you're dedicating your life to something, the people should understand what they mean by that. So I'm just trying to give more context to it. So it, it, you have no choice in next future but to like the people for who they truly are. We're not coming here to create some new stories or no, we're coming to tell you the true story. That's all we're doing. We're not, we're not saviors or helpers or anybody. No, we're coming to tell you the story the way the story should have been told from the beginning. There's a way the story should have been told. It was not told that way. What we're coming to do is tell you the true story, the right story, the one you should have heard from the start. Not the one that's there from 1956. No. <laughs> the one that's there like... from 1860. <laughs> I... The one that's there from the beginning. The one that's there. Who they are. That's what we're coming to do. Oh, wow. Yes, that's who they really are. Who are these people? Let's want to show you who they really are. You know, you can't defend me if you don't know who I am. That's true. Do you understand? That's you know, true. Me and somebody say I stole something. You say, no, no, no. One that cannot steal. One that, one that does not do that. You know, but if someone tells you Niger Delta deserve more than what the government is doing, Niger Delta deserve the percentage of the money that the government is taking from them. Can you stand for them? No, you'll be like, I have to leave them. And what are you saying? They are militants. Because that's all you see on the media. That's all you know them as. They don't deserve. Can you, you cannot travel, travel there or they're violent people. That's all you will say. But imagine you knew that they were good people. Imagine you knew that they were loving people. Imagine you knew that they had rich culture. Anything that goes against all these good things you know about that you want to stand against it. You say, no, 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 I know who these people are. I can defend them. I can stand for them. They are loving people. Uh, they deserve this. They deserve that. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show you who they truly are. That's all. That's all we are doing with the Niger Delta Project. This Bayesa Shizbishu Project. That's all. To just show you who they are. The truth. It's the truth we want to show you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, with way you you've mentioned so many amazing facts about Bayelsa, like the the Mama Pam Oil um, story that you actually um, mentioned. So if you want to see the pictures, you can actually check Wanda on Instagram and on Twitter. I think your handle is Chris Wanda at, right? So you will see the amazing picture and when you yeah, see the picture, yeah, when you see the picture and also the, um, I think one minute or two minutes video, you would, the short documentary rather of that um, um woman story, you would be so drawn with what um, Wanda is doing. So yeah, Wanda, you said something that really caught my attention while we we're having this conversation. And you said something like, um, when you are dedicating, this is a project that you are dedicating your life to, your life to. So you know that as young people, we always have this conversation with, oh, what am I going to do with my life? So there are a lot of people that always ask this question. Even, even while growing up, like when I was 18, 19, I used to ask this question, what next? What do I want out of life? Mm. Um, where would I be yeah. when I'm 25? What would I be when I'm 30? What am I going to do after University of Benin? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so for you to have found yeah. that particular project, how did you discover your passion? I really don't like asking the question, how do you like add this go your passion because I know yeah. it can mean a lot of things but my question is how did you discover that this particular project is what you want to dedicate the next five years ten years of your life doing how did you know this was this was the one 
You know, when somebody, when they ask you somebody to marry them, they'll say like, I knew that yeah. she's the person. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you know this yeah. person? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this question. Now, I know I'm going to get this question a lot, like from now. So it's, it's better I start refining my answer for this question, to be honest. <laughs> but I'll just try and give you a raw. Um, I've always loved Bayosa. Um, there has been this... There has been this love in my heart for Bayosa. Uh, when it gets an obsession, you cannot really explain what it is anymore. Mm. I don't know if you understand me. It gets to a point where you love something so much that you cannot easily explain what it is. And that is at the point I am right now. So this project became something for me. Uh, when I know I don't start religious, because I know that different people will be listening to this podcast, you know, but I want to say that it was God that told me this is what you are born to do. You know, he told me himself, this is what I want to do. So people may not understand what that means. But, you know, when you hear that voice, you know, you know when you hear that voice deep down in your heart, do this. You understand? The th- even the title alone, by yourself, she is beautiful. You will know that the title did not just come from someone just sitting down and just uh, writing. No, it didn't come from me brainstorming on different... I did not brainstorm on different titles. I didn't think of two titles any day. The title came. That was the title. I need to think of a second one. I didn't guess it. I didn't ponder upon it. But then such a beautiful project came as a title from the start of the project. You understand me? So it's something that so when I said I dedicate my life to something, I should I, at least I should put myself on like the fence. Yeah, say mm-hmm. I may do this thing for five years, or I may do it for five years. I may know I'm saying this is what I'm dedicating my life and my time to. Then you should understand that it's the, the answer for this question is not as easy as <laughs> it can't come as ABC straightforward. It's something deeper. It's coming from inside. You can you understand me? It's coming yeah. from inside. There's something. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a calling. When you do something, you will know. You will know. So that's what this thing is, bro. This that's what this thing is. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We've had like a very. You know, when you mentioned um, how you got your inspiration for your project, I think I also I also shared the same um, view with you as well too. And I like the fact that we've had like a very interesting conversation so far, which <laughs> is really interesting. And I don't want to give a backstory as to how this has happened, you know, from you and um, telling us about your background, how your parents supported your, your newfound passion from people who are always booking you to take pictures for them because your own work and pictures is a different kind and it's more like a work of art. And I can testify because even during our church on the street project, we used to tell one, we used to still book him down and say one that you'll be the one that will take us pictures, obviously. And it it <laughs> ones that can last for like a whole long um, for like very, very long time. And I still have people telling me pictures that it took me four years ago. Like when did I take the picture? So, so for picture that what that one that took me four years ago to still be speaking so much volume, it really means a whole lot as to how far you've come as a photographer, as a documentary and portrait um, photographer. So we're almost getting towards the end of this podcast. And to be honest, I've had like a very interesting conversation with you so far. So I love asking my guests this question because most times people mm-hmm. think life is all about. Um, just yeah, just going. You have to get it. 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 Um, do you think 
how do you think your failures, you know, have shaped you so far? Because I know you must have failed at something. So just, you know, share one thing, just share one particular experience of when your plan backfired. <laughs> when your plan backfired. So and have that <laughs> moment. I have my own, I have my own moment as well. So and how that particular moment um, you know, has shaped your life right now. Okay. I don't know if your question is exactly uh, my failures or whether uh, my experiences, like bad experiences have shaped me. I want to get the question clear. Is it just failures that have shaped me or like bad experiences? I think it should be bad experiences. Because it would be harder to pick out failures right now than... <laughs> okay, just like bad experiences. Yeah, so one of the major experiences, bad experiences that shaped me is the loss of my dad. You know, loss of my dad. And when my dad was sick, this is a very long, you know, it's going to be a long <laughs> answer, but I'll try and shorten it as fast as possible. That shaped me in many ways. When I was a painter in secondary school, my dad was sick. And, you know, I, I in that phase of my life, I was passing through anxiety, fear, pain, all those things. He had kidney issues. And then I remember going to the hospital and seeing him. Um, during our mid-term because I attended boarding school. So when then I saw pipe through, I think his neck or so, that thing registered in my head. And when I go back to school, I was always like kind of like solemn, quiet. But I knew that each time I stepped into the studio to paint, you know, mm. those things go away. I don't think about them anymore. So what I tell you was I spent time in the studio. I missed night prep. I didn't attend the night prep again, afternoon prep. I did not go to classes like that anymore. I wasn't, you know, going to siesta. I wasn't going to all those inspections and the rest of them in the boarding school. I was spending all those time in the studio painting and painting and drawing and painting. That skill was just growing. That skill was just developing. I was becoming like an authority basically in my school then. And I was doing commissions for students. Like I was making a lot of money. I was making a lot of money that, you know, went <laughs> that depression. That depression was not there again because I was spending time doing something I loved that was helping me to cope with what I was going through. Each time I stepped to that studio, that was when I began to think about what my dad was passing through and everything. But in that place, I was finding comfort. I was finding peace. You know, I was finding joy. That was a very bad experience that, you know, God used art to help me. That really shaped my art, you know. That really helped me to become a very fast learner of art and to be very good at drawing at a very young age. And then photography. Photography um, um, entered and I, I developed my photography very well when I lost my dad. So that was in 2019. 2019 January, I got a call from home from my dad's um, um, spiritual father's wife. And then she called me, I was like, why is a big mom calling me? I'm like, <laughs> so I feel on the call, we're talking for a while. And then she just hit me with the, with the, with the unfortunate, unfortunate news that I just lost my dad. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> that was very painful. And I, I, I was looking at the water. I was in Togo then, Lome, Togo. And I was looking at the water, reflection of light on the water. It was very beautiful. So I said, I went to the water side and I sat down there just thinking and thinking God and crying. And then I went to my room. The next day I picked up my camera. I went to the street, started taking pictures. Pictures, wow. taking pictures. I was missing some classes, missing some, you know, some of those activities. I was just taking pictures, taking pictures on the streets, editing them, taking pictures, coming back, editing them. That thing kept me busy for two weeks straight. Now nobody knew that I lost my dad. Wow. But the night before I was traveling, we had a general meeting and we met and everybody said, why are we, why are we meeting and all? They said that Wanda is traveling to road Nigeria. They were like, wow, that why is Wanda traveling? We just came to Togo. Then they gave them the reason why that he lost his dad. Everybody opened their mouth like, what? They did not, did not know that. 
this guy lost his dad for two weeks. They are not saying anything about it. You understand me? Why? Because of I was actually doing something that I loved, trying to cope with that situation. Mm. So that that incident shaped my figure. Even if it's real, your passion can be greater than just your passion. Your passion can change your life. Your passion can save your life from depression. Your passion can save your life from anxiety, fear. God can use anything to help you. And that was what God used to help me in those two times of my life when I experienced those difficult situations. He used my passion to help me overcome them. I didn't have to go to a counselor or anybody. He used my passion to comfort me because there was something I was busy doing. So, you know, when I talk to people about that passion, people are like, oh, I can't start this, I can't start. I'm like, if you knew that your life depended on this thing, you will start it. If you knew that your life depends on this person, if you knew that your passion is not just a mere word, passion, it is deeper than that. You can have a relationship with your passion where it becomes something that, you know, that can help you, you know. So, so, so that's what happened to me. Those are two bad experiences that really, really shaped me to be who I am now as an artist. And I'm not saying I'm happy that those things happened, but at the same time, you know, we must be grateful for everything. You can't change the past. You must look back at the past and say, what has the past? What have you gained from all that has happened? You know, and that's what I'm doing right now. I'm not happy my dad has gone. I wish he was here. I miss him so much. But at the same time, if my dad had not gone, I won't be in Biosa doing this project right now that is going to change the whole narrative. That's not going to change the narrative, but it's going to recreate the narrative of an, an entire nation. Oh yeah, as you know, my photography would have got to this level if it didn't leave. So I'm not I'm not happy at it left in any way. You know, it still affects me sometimes, but I'm grateful, you know, that life, I'm grateful that life still continues while moving on. But these experiences have helped me also. It has made me sad sometimes, but it has helped me in many ways. And you know, <laughs> I, I'm glad to share it with you because they are bad experiences, but still. I know it's going to impact someone out there to actually chase that passion and all. So that's why I'm sharing it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing. And I like the fact that you said they were they, um God can use, sorry, God can use anything to help us as individuals. And you know when you talked about um Togo, it made me remember that you actually went on a trip. Um, I think that was in your third year, right, at the University of Benin. I don't know if if I'm if I'm correct, if I'm right, but you can actually correct me. You studied French, I think French education, something like that. So I want to know: Do you think that University of yeah, Benin? Had an, do you think University of Benin had an impact, you know, in what you are doing now? Do you think if you're not in university, you'll still be doing what you what you are doing, but if at all, do you think the University of Benin, your experience as a student at the University of Benin had a huge impact in your journey as a documentary photographer or as a storyteller, rather? Yes, University of Benin had a lot of um, impacts, actually, because that's where I got to meet amazing people. And, you know, and that's where I got to meet amazing people, where I started my photography from. You know, that was where the rest of my photography is. And... Um, you know, like you said, I walk in church on the streets. To the street university of Benin, I met you. First mm. of all, to <laughs> the street university of Benin, I met you. Found out church on the street, and a lot of my other friends that I met. Mm. I know we church on the street. I've traveled. You know, we traveled to different places. And it was in the course of that journey I began to realize that ah man, I'm actually called to documentary. You know, if I had not started working with a non-profit like church on the street, and we we're not traveling at all, 
maybe it would have taken me a longer time to realize I was actually called to be a documentary photographer and a portrait photographer. But because of the travel sometimes, sometimes I go there and I experience some kind of things with these people because when I'm going on documentary work, I connect with people very deeply before I can tell that story. In, mm. No, I don't invade their privacy and just force them to sit on so, a picture. No, I communicate to them and get to a deeper level before I take that picture. So it helped me to realize, that, oh, this is what I actually love. Going on those trips yeah. helped me realize, but I wouldn't have met you guys if I was not in University of Benin. Benin. I wouldn't have gone to Togo mm. if I was not in University of Benin. I wouldn't have studied French if I was not in University of Benin. So University of Benin contributed a lot to my <laughs> photography, basically. So yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> wow. I'm tempted to say greatest university students. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. And thank you very much. And thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Yeah. I want to ask you our, I want to ask you second to the last question, um, which would be, what's the best, you know, piece of advice you've ever gotten from someone? Hmm. I've gotten a lot of advice, but I think the one I'll say right now is what my mom told me recently. And it's just three words. Time will tell. Time will tell. So she told me one that time will tell. These projects are going on. People may laugh at you. People may not understand you. But time will tell. Let them keep watching. Let them keep watching. Leave them to watch. Time will tell. Do what you want to do. Time will tell. Focus on that thing that you know that God has called you to do. Time will tell. Do not give up on it. Be consistent and keep chasing it with everything in you. Time will tell. So those three words are things that you know are very important to me right now. Time will tell. So I tell people to do the same thing. Time will tell. And another one is where you are right now is not where you will always be. Where you are right now is not where you will always be. So we need to keep thinking about that. Time will tell. Just three words. I mean, like one of my best advices I've ever gotten ever. So yeah, from my mom, <laughs> my lovely mom. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so much for sharing. And we can actually tell that your parents had a great impact in your journey and in your career. So I think that's the reason why I like the fact that this episode mm -hmm. has, you know, taken us through a whole lot of experiences. Like it's just giving the old vision yeah. I had for my podcast, you know, from, you know, you need to, you getting a camera, saving up to get the camera, to how your bad experiences shaped you, to starting the Biosa, she's beautiful, yeah. to the passion that you have right now and where you're dedicating the next five, 10 years of your life, how you got the confirmation that this is what you're supposed to do from God and not second guessing yourself. It has really been an amazing time having you on this episode and I'm grateful. Thank you so much, Wanda, for joining me on this particular episode. Thank you. From the limitless thank you for having journey me. to thank you. you so thank much. You. So but before we go, can you like give <laughs> us final words of advice? Like a lot of people would be looking like a lot of people are like, oh my God. <laughs> like me yeah, and the one I interviewing you for I have this oh my God. Like you're able to do this. I'm really, in, I'm really, really impressed and inspired by your, by your journey. <laughs> so your final words for us, for the farm. So let us know your, give us your final words before we draw. Did they say before? They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. So. Okay. I think what I'll say is that, um, man, just do what, just find that one thing that you love to do and do it. Like, come on. Life, you can only live life once. You can only live life. Where's this guy full of Gary V? I don't mm. know if you know about Gary V, but if you are yeah. a young person and you don't know about Gary V, please. Go and check him out on YouTube, Instagram. Follow this guy. Like, follow this guy. He, he's the guy you need to be following right now. If you are saying something, that something for something, Gary V is your guy. Because <laughs> he just makes you understand that life is, only live this life once. You can only live this life once. Just do that one thing that you know you, you love to do. Because if you don't do it now, in the next 10, 20 years, you'll be thinking of doing it. When you see the other people that you were mm. with at that time, they did it and they are excelling. You now, you now realize, I mean, why didn't I just do this thing? Then, then you begin to figure out, how can I do it now? When somebody has started it 20 years ago, and even at that moment, it's not too late. But why not just start now that you have the knowledge of what you love to do? That's the question. Just find out one thing. For me, I've seen that it is by such a beautiful project that I'm dedicating my life to. Whether there's hunger, whether there's no food, whether there's no life, whether there's no, I do not care. Wow. I know that where I am now is not where I'll always be. I will chase that one thing. It may not look so all rosy at the beginning, but it will be rosy at the end. Definitely, it will be. I'm so confident. See, you can't do something consistently, whether you're Christian or not Christian, Muslim or not Muslim, whether you are religious or not. You can't do something consistently for 10 years and nothing happens. You cannot. Something must happen for me. Can you be consistent with that thing? Find that one thing you love to do. Even though it's shiny shoe, whether it is, you know... <laughs> Uh, cleaning, 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 uh, kitchen, cleaning, toilet, whatever that one thing is that you know you love deep down to do, that thing can make you a millionaire, a billionaire in the next future. Just be committed, be consistent. Keep reading. If you're a young person, keep reading, keep building yourself, you know, and just find out one thing. Like, I'm so, I'm so, like, I'm emphasizing that you should find out one thing you love to do and chase it with everything. So that's my advice. And time with her. Let me add my mom's advice to it. <laughs> so thank time you so much. You know, thank you for having me. I'm I'm very, very excited. You know, I was very excited about this episode. I've enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, really. Thank you yeah. so much for agreeing to do this with me. And I'm really, really glad that you know you've been able to share your story with the world. The power of consistency, passion, grit. Is it great? They call it yeah, great. Um, hard work and you know, also having a relationship with God as well. Thank you so much, Christopher. Wonder Osareme, our uh, documentary and portrait photography and photographer. <laughs> Thank you for being on this podcast episode with me and if you're listening to this point, um, yeah. thank you so much, yeah. real G. <laughs> Thank you so much for staying with us to this particular time. We are really, really grateful. And if you definitely <laughs> enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share this episode with your friends, your family members. And also don't forget to tag us on all social media platforms. Yeah. It would be Limitless Journey Podcast. And I remain your favorite and amazing host, Success Dealer Ariveso. Thank you guys so much. And hopefully... By God's grace, I hope to see you guys on our next episode. Take care and do have a lovely day or a lovely night whenever you listen to this episode. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.
Thank you.